Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and Gordon Parks as the international break comes to an end. So on the pod today, we look at how Celtic's international stars fared over the past fortnight and we welcome back the return of domestic action. So tell me, is it a welcome return of domestic action considering what we've seen over the past past seven days? Merciful relief. Merciful relief. Hard to be enthusiastic yeah. by what happened with, with Scotland, can, unfortunately. Can, can tell that in your voice. Yes, yeah, it's, it's more so it's resignation and a bit of sadness at the same time. I don't think anybody in the country expected easy games. Um, I'm not sure anybody expected two wins. I'm not sure they expected a win over Russia. I think they were entitled to expect a bit more than what they got on Friday against the Russians. And I think that knocked the wind out of a lot of people's sails before the Belgian game. And it's, it's all become a little bit sad, really, the way it's kind of falling apart and the, the public interest seems to be winning game on game so just hope they can salvage it at some point yeah I think the momentum that we Stevie Clark spoke about two weeks ago when he kind of was beginning his build up for these two games nobody expected massive things but what we did expect was a template an identity a Stevie Clark side that he's made his name on trying to have a side that will hit in the break that will be defensively sound and will give us a foundation to be Maybe not optimistic, but at least hopeful of something better. And I think it's gone the other way, and that's the problem. Yeah. There was no encouragement, and I think that's the deflation that everybody feels because the bounce hasn't arrived. Mm-hmm. Being hard to beat was what we wanted. That was the kind of the, the, you know the platform we thought that Steve Clark might be able to introduce. And I know they're two good teams, Belgium and Russia, but we were too easily beaten, far too easily beaten, and that's worrying. The worrying thing is Belgium being world class outfit that they are. They scored their first goal from our attacking free kick. They scored their second goal from basics not picking up inside the box. Now, you don't have to be a world-class side to, to beat a team that's defending as badly as that. And I think that's the thing that strikes home to me. That we weren't... Um, of course, you're playing against guys like Kevin De Bruyne and I saw your stuff this morning, Craig. It was uh, spot on because how do you how do you match up against somebody that's clearly exceptional? But when you're shooting yourself in the foot by not doing the basics right and it's mm. organisation again that costs us. Yeah. And as usual, there's a... Sh- uh, Celtic contingent and amongst the uh, Scotland squad these days. How do you how do you feel the likes of James Forrest, Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie? How did they acquit themselves over the two games? I think it was difficult for all of them, really. Um, James never really got involved in the in the Russian game. Pulled out of the Belgium game last night. Um, was pulled out, should I say, by the manager? Um, left on the bench. Ryan Christie worked hard last night. Looked decent against the Belgians, but. Wasn't he really, by his own admission, able to make any sort of attacking impact? Callum McGregor, again, never really hit the heights. Didn't have a great game against the Russians. Okay against the Belgians, but no, I don't think any of them particularly had a, had, had, a, had five days to remember, put it that way. I've got a, great, a degree of sympathy for James Forrest. The, the challenge he had against Russia, and he worked down the flank that we were sitting watching, 
he was clearly instructed to try and protect Stephen O'Donnell and the, the amount of work he did working back the pitch was commendable and really it was exhaustive and I think mm-hmm. he cut his own teeth by trying to make sure that his colleague, bailing out his colleague, trying to make sure his colleague wasn't exposed and I think when James came off you saw that that protection went and you, the damage that Russia did yeah. down Stephen's flank and again it's not pointing fingers, it's just a fact that when you're trying to raise your levels and you, you, maybe you're not equipped to get there you look exposed, James Forrest has got a lot more to offer, but in that discipline role, I think he did a decent job. Yeah, Ryan Christie is going from strength to strength. I don't think the impetus and momentum that he's carrying through his uh, his club career just now will cushion any disappointment that he's suffering internationally. And Callum McGregor against uh, Russia picked his passes, does what he does. I don't think there's going to be much of a hangover because going back to Celtic is going to be a tonic for for the three of them. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. And then the obvious, the other Celtic player who had completely different fortunes on international duty is uh, Odson Edward. He's emerging for the under twenty ones. And is this a case of the the cat is at the bag now? The people are in the continent and Europe are starting to see, you know, what kind of what kind of player he really is. We've obviously known it here for for quite a while, but uh, four was it four. Goals for the two, two games. Well, it's you say two games. I think the, the first game yeah, was uh, seventeen minutes. Uh, something, something like that. that. Ah, it couldn't have been eighteen much minutes. More. And they came on and scored two, and then started the Monday night and scored another two. I mean, the situation you have with players, and it was the same with Musa Dembele. Musa Dembele was sensational for Celtic week in week out, well, the majority of the time. But people only really started beginning to take notice when he scored these goals for the French under twenty one team. When he scored these goals in the Champions League, he could have scored fifty goals a season here domestically, and no one would really have bothered. The, the transfer fee was built on two goals against Manchester City in the Champions League, was which set the fee. Mm-hmm. And Edouard now, as you say, Liam, those two goals for the, the under-21 French team, which is a very, very talented group, and it and they do have a clear pathway into their senior team. Dire Deschamps takes a good close look at look, these guys. It's a strong area of the pitch. Dembele still hasn't been able to break into the full team regularly, or even, I don't know, he's not been in that many squads, I don't think, to be no, quite honest, with the amount of guys they've got. Um, but the, the goals for the under 21s and I know you're going to come to the game later on but it's very 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 exciting for Celtic fans to consider Edouard going to Wren next Thursday night for the Europa League opener because he seems to be a guy who the bigger the challenge the bigger the occasion I think the phrase is if he fancies it yeah. he's dynamite and what an opportunity this is for him to go against a good team in Europe and go and show himself I think I think him Olivier and Cham and Julian should probably be the first names in the team sheet next week. I know you'll get to this game yeah, later on, no, but, yeah, but Edouard's Edouard's flying. Managed, he's managed to do, which has impressed me, and I spoke to Lennon about it, what has been the trigger, uh, because some of his performances last season were you know, a bit bitty, was he linking play properly? He seemed like the kind of striker that, that naturally wanted to run with the ball over his over his shoulder onto things. He wasn't that competent when he was linking play and showing me his back to, back to goal. He's clearly the penny's dropped, whether it's confidence and whether it's the way he's getting coached. Experience um, gone. Probably. People forget he's young. Yeah, listen, I absolutely get that, but you don't get that with a lot of young Scottish players, that acceleration and his progression and the way he's come on shows that he's actually grasping what he's been told and he's implementing it into the game. Now, he looks a far more altogether rounded player and you're right, he is really young, but he's getting exposed now mm-hmm. to European football with France under under twenty one side and the confidence he's getting for that he's, he's un, unleashing that in the Scottish Premiership and that's what young Scottish players need to understand he came here 
There was flaws in his in his game. He's finally tuning himself into that multi multi million pound asset. It's quite interesting what you say there um, about the initial Eduardo when he came here, and he looked like a guy that liked to play on the shoulder and, and play off the last man rather than playing his back to goal. The French under twenty one coach Sylvain Rapoli said um, one of his key strengths was in the eighteen yard box against low defensive teams. Um, because he'd studied them playing for Celtic and he was used to playing against that system. That's something France will face quite a lot, both for their under-21s and for their senior mm-hmm. team. So he's already doing himself a favour there mm-hmm. by learning that because a lot of teams sit in against them because they're so good and he's shown that he's got a capability again. And the fact that he's under-21 coach picked that out proves what you say, Gordon. The progression he's made on that front is being noted. He's definitely slight of foot allied with the power and the pace that he has and that intelligence because his movement's terrific and that's right you're right he's, um, that's an app that, that you educate yourself and you yeah. learn and you pick up and you, you uh, clearly it comes through, through coaching Yeah. but an ability to be receptive to the, to the coaching and take it on board that's the point I'm making mm. that's what real top quality players do they sponge it in they take it in and they adapt and they become the best that they can be some players don't Oliver Burke's a classic example of you can take the horse to water but you can't make it become that million pound player that you want yeah. it to actually be. Mm-hmm. No, I certainly, I mean, where do you, do you think in terms, I mean, it's, all right, it may be a wee bit early to say, but see in terms of, you know, you know people always make comparisons with him and Dembele. Do you see him as have even, a, even maybe higher ceiling than Dembele or is it still a bit early to, to It's say? hard to say. I mean, both the, the, there's aspects of each's game which, the other ones maybe slightly better. You would say Dembele would be better. Just now, for instance, I mean Dembele was fantastic in the air. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd count in one hand the amount of headers Odson Edwards won since he's been at Celtic and for about three years. <laughs> Whether that's crosses <laughs> into the box or flick ons, and it's just it's not his strength. It's yeah. it's not how he plays. Um, you know when Dembele scored his famous first hat trick against Rangers, the first goal was a standing jump for a corner kick. That's not a goal that Edwards going to score. Mm-hmm. So he's got that. He's probably got a little bit more power than Dembele to to throw defenders around if you like whereas Edouard would use slight a foot to get away from him pace um, a lot will depend on the makeup of the teams they play in how they play what suits them um, and Dembele would still have the edge for me and I think would maybe still go on to be the better one but it's close to it's certainly a lot closer to call than what a lot of people would have thought it would have been a year ago yeah exactly because as you say Parksy the, the way Edouard's come on in the past year yeah, there's a lot of symmetry with the, the, the kind of pair, not just with the ability attributes, but the fact that the progress chart that they're, they're taking through the French under 21, and Craig's 100% right, what he achieves domestically here is not factored into the evaluation and the actual development. It's what he's doing to some quality sides and the way he's getting regarded by some quality coaches, and that's what makes people sit up. I don't know who's got the most uh, potential because they're both still young. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, Eduard has got more potentially, he's got, potentially he's, he's got more craft, I think. There's a bulldozing element to, to Musa, which, uh, again, is a strength. But if you've got that kind of um, that kind of craft, that kind of dexterity with the ball at your feet, it can take you far higher than physical brawn can. Mm-hmm. Now, the other debate that caused a lot of, lot of stir on our Twitter account uh, at the weekend there was, it was the article that appeared in the Sunday Mail, and it was pitting... Edward and Alfredo Morelos up against each other and then there was the, the sports writers verdicts at the bottom and I believe you two were on the, the same page with this yeah, one. I wasn't I wasn't on it. Well, I, I, know I was and Sorry, I found I that a very easy easy argument to make. I don't think there was much of an argument. Yeah. And it's clear my argument was Edward scores the big goals in the big games. 
that's what people pay money for. That's why you've got a temperament there, which uh, Morelos, there's big question marks over. But this guy goes out, and Lennon said that Eduardo's a joy to work with. He just gets on with his work and does it, and he listens. Does Morelos want to take that extra step? Does he want to progress? Does he want to be the player that he can be? And I think that even at comparable ages, you've got a golfing class between the two. Clearly a golfing class. And anybody that wants to argue against that isn't actually... They're, they're maybe clouded by the team that, that they support. If you're objective about it and you look at the strengths of both the players, mm-hmm. Morelos, real good talent, real potential, hard worker. I don't think he's the same level of finisher. Um, Edward has a composure and a real calmness that separates the good players from the exceptional. And I think that, that again, shows you the kind of margins there. And it's a big one between the two players. Yeah, sorry, Swanee. I thought you were involved no, in that debate. Would you would you agree with Parksy on that? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, we're just talking about um, when we're talking about the comparisons with Dembele and Edward. I mean, Morelos scores goals with his head. That's one thing he's good at getting on the end of crosses. But in terms of in terms of football and ability and and, and raw talent, I don't. I think Edward is streets ahead. Mm-hmm. I've got to be honest. I think he yeah. is. I just think. And Gordon touched on a very important thing as well: Cam- temperament, calmness. Bigger situations, the bigger situation he's in, the camera he seems to get. Yeah. You know when he gets played through one and one at Ibrox in the cup final, he just looks ice cold when he goes in these yeah, situations. Neil Lennon said he was the calmest man in Ibrox you know, when he went through on McGregor. When the game's even. blowing up round about him, he's just uh, chewing his gum. He's, he's just <laughs> calm as you like. He'll, he, you know, when Morelos is getting things he shouldn't be getting involved in too many times. Seems the. the, the there seems to be a suggestion he's calmed out a wee bit this season, but the mm-hmm. proof will be on the pudding. We've only had yeah, a couple of months of this season. Craig, it was a Celtic team that's well, at the, end of, at the end of the day, Gordon, you've got you've got the, these the two big strikers, the two main weapons for each team. One of them is the main man who scores the opening goal, mm-hmm. his fifth old firm goal mm-hmm. to set Celtic in the way to win to win the game. The other one isn't even trusted by his manager to start the game mm-hmm. ahead of a thirty six year old. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know. Clinical operators. That's what teams pay money for, and that's what, that's why Europe's now sent. To answer the, the the question you made at the very start is yeah. the is a rabbit out the, out the bag or the cat out the bag? Yes, it is because they might not notice what he's doing against St Mirren, Motherwell, Livingston. But see when he goes to Ibrox in that atmosphere, and Celtic play a style where they're only they're asking Rangers to come and pick them apart, and you take your chances. He's a clinical operator, and he is that. Yeah, Odson Edward would, would have been probably the first name on Neil Lennon's team sheet. Yeah. Maybe after Scott Brown, Alfredo Morelos wasn't even on the team sheet. Tells trust, you a lot. Trust is massive, yeah. and uh, clearly Neil Lennon uh, has every trust, and clearly Stephen Gerrard does not. Yeah, and I think Edward said it himself, and your piece as well, Swanee, that he, he enjoys the pressure, and that's not just a kind of throwaway comment. I mean, you can actually you can see that in his play, can't you? It seems, as you say, the bigger occasion, the more he seems to enjoy it. Scotland says it's an educational thing. It's it's just it's it's taking time. Um, I think the way he was he was grounded and bed into Celtic has helped quite a lot. Um, the first season he came here, it was quite clearly spelled out to him by Brendan Rodgers. He was number three in the pecking order. He didn't get many chances, but gave him a chance to to bed in and see the place. And you know, he wasn't even asked to just go straight into the team. A bit like Dembele was, he had to go in and hit the ground running immediately when Griffiths got injured. Pretty quick, I think he had three or four games. Dembele to get mm-hmm. up to speed. Um, and then Griffiths got injured before the old firm game and the belly went in and his big impact. Edward had a bit of time to to use another one of Gordon's phrases, soak it in, just, just come to terms with it, but he's come to terms with it very yeah, well. When you're young and you've 
I mean, by all accounts, he's a laid-back guy. He's not. He doesn't go over emotional about things. Uh, again, it's, it's the measure of a quality player. They don't get caught up in the emotional things. And you, you, if, you, if you're comparing again, Morelos, who gets caught up in every emotion, you have, it appears not to be able to control his emotion, and that's something which m- maybe some people cannot change. So it's a character flaw. Now, mm-hmm. if you're talking about a character, then Odson uh, Edward has got everything loaded in his favour because he does not get to. Hit up in the emotion of the occasion. The bigger the occasion, the better. Whereas Morelos, the bigger the occasion, the more emotional he gets. Uh-huh. No, there we have it. So as well, I mean, this is actually the first podcast we've had uh, since the madness of the transfer deadline day, uh, and indeed the kind of the whole window. Um, you know, we always we just both on through the summer. We talked at great length about you know the transfers. And Cummins outgoings at Celtic, and so when it was all said and done, I mean, there was obviously a lot said, a lot written, but when it was all said and done at the end. Do you think could Celtic be happy with the, the transfer business? Did they get there in the end as to what they needed? It was a hard one. We spoke about it in here way back at the start of the summer and said that people would have to be patient because I think it was you I spoke to Liam about the time it takes to get deals done. The different countries they don't really start their market until. You know, thinking about buying and selling players until a good two months after Celtic already looking to get guys on board. They always get criticised for potentially gambling with the Champions League qualifiers. That accusation has been pointed at them again this time. Um, I guess if you ask the supporters whether it was a successful transfer window an hour before kick-off at Ibrox, they might have shrugged their shoulders. Yeah, mm-hmm. an hour after full-time <laughs> at Ibrox. It was a tremendous transfer window uh-huh. because Ball and Golly's a player, Julian's a player, Hatton's a player. So... Looking at it as as we sit here right now with the addition of Greg Taylor, Bauer as well to, to beef up the two fullback areas to give them extra cover there. Um, I think though maybe in the middle of the park, maybe they were looking for another one. But the fact that Encham didn't leave and Tom Rogic just still to come back, were he to come back to the level that you would think they may be okay in there. Um, and again, it'll depend on how Lee Griffiths' rehabilitation goes whether Vakun ba- ba- Bio can be trusted just to be the backup to Edward, I'm not sure. They maybe needed another striker. But in general, considering they had to replace Kieran Tierney, Dedrick Boyata, Michael Lustig and Philip Benkovic, which is a first pick back four, mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to do. And the look as though they've managed to get Weyer coming through as well, yeah. they seem to have solved that not too badly, yeah, Gavin. Be, and Fraser Foster will be a good addition as well. We're talking about a guy that was England number one not in the too distance past and you're talking about a commanding presence who's the real deal I know he's had injury problems but what an addition that is yeah. significant in that yeah. he is exactly what Celtic were crying out for I think that was overlooked a wee bit yeah I think it was I think it, and, and I actually think that there was something that Pat Bonner said when he was talking about it um, when, when Neil Lennon got the job and there was a lot of debate about Craig Gordon and, and Scott Bain and, uh, Pat Bonner referenced a story one day when he said he was talking to, to Neil Lennon back in his first spell before he signed for us and he said he likes a big goalkeeper he likes his goalkeeper to be big have stature have presence and um, with Craig Gordon coming to, Craig Gordon's got that but at 36 he's coming at the end yeah. Scott Bain maybe doesn't have it and in, in, in the type of goalkeeper he is more a footballing goalkeeper that Brendan Rodgers liked I think I think that signing was overlooked yeah. and obviously I, I spoke about the various defensive guys I may be proved wrong in six weeks or so but another one that slipped under the radar pre-Ibrox was El Yanoussi who was dynamite mm. for Mulder and for Basel. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's anywhere near that, I know it didn't happen for him at Southampton, but sometimes it's not easy for guys to go into the English Premier League if they're not 
you know, starting regularly and it can be hard. If he gets back to anywhere near that, they've got Celtic, themselves a £10 million pound win. can be the club of rehabilitation. Look at Scott Sinclair. They can mm-hmm. take players in and get their confidence back. Now, you're, you're right. It must have been a lot to offer mm-hmm. to, for somebody to pay £16 million. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, So you've, you've got a host of guys like that who, who are using Celtic. Who's a foster, is making up for lost time. He'll want to prove he can get back to that kind of level. And Celtic's benefit is that. And I think, again, we're talking assessing squad for squad. You're, you're raiming off names there and it just re-emphasises just how superior Celtic mm-hmm. are aside. It makes a mockery of the the pre-match old firm comments yeah. in the bookies in. Yeah. From a starting point of superiority, it has to be said as well. Yeah, true. That, that, Absolutely. You know, that's the thing. The, 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 they seem to have built on it. Yep. It was talked about in the podcast, Rangers did their business early, but a lot of the guys were in because for fear of sounding bad, there were guys that were easily gettable. Mm-hmm. Nobody else was looking. They were able to snap them up. So... You know, that's why they were able to get them in nice and sharp. Mm-hmm. And Celtic have bided their time with some of them. But it seems to have worked out to their benefit. Certainly as we sit here right now, you would say Celtic are in a better, a, a better position coming out of the window than what Rangers were. Mm-hmm. What Rangers quality. are sharing in terms of quality. You can, have, you can have two players for every position. But if they're not going to cut the mustard, then what, what is the point? Celtic are now getting to a level where they've got real quality options and... Do Rangers have that? I have my doubts. Well, I'm sure we'll see some of the new faces uh, over the next few days. We've got Premiership action coming back at the weekend, Celtic away to Hamilton. Uh, but really the big one coming into view now is, just one of you touched on it before, is this Europa League game away at Wren. Um I feel like talking about maybe going under the, the radar, I think when the, the draw came out, I think Lazio was the big one everybody looked at and then obviously there was the rematch with Cluj considering what happened in the Champions League. But Parksy, you know, Ren are a decent side, aren't they? They're a really decent side. You said you watched them recently. I, I did. And this is a team that's not just beaten PSG recently, they beat them twice recently. Uh, they have a growing kind of reputation in French football and they're now jarring the top end of a league which is packed full of good, good teams and Celtic's record against French teams hasn't been great either. Massive challenge and nobody should underestimate the quality of player they have. Going to an environment where I've, I've, I've been at a game and watched them play against PSG, they know how to um, harness a home support and that will drive them. We talk about Celtic Park being a fantastic venue for European nights. This will be a brilliant night for Celtic to go and test themselves against a top, top side. Yeah, because they haven't played in Europe for a while and um, they obviously got in last year to beat Arsenal. They gave Arsenal a good doing in the in the knockout stages of the Europa League and they, they got a bigger crowd than they do normally do for the league games and as you say, Parsley, they really got behind them and they were unlucky to lose an aggregate to Arsenal, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, they've beat PSG already this season. Good team. Good team. Yeah, and the challenge that Celtic have is, again, it's a step up when they're playing domestically. This is a team that uses the ball and they play through their midfield, they're incisive, they've, they've got the movement, the rotation around the pitch. They'll move Celtic all over the place and the Celtic need to match up and cope with that. Uh, the tempo will be increased massively because mm-hmm. every single player in that round team will be comfortable. Aye, absolutely. I mean, and... Oh, shit, I've lost my place there. Where was I going on to? I'll need to... Uh... You have the technology though, just to go bump don't exactly. you, and join it together. Yeah. Exactly. So, because uh, my phone was going off there. Unprofessional. Exactly. Uh, oh, aye, aye. I said, and you'll remember Celtic's last trip to Ren in the Europa League, one of the most bizarre. One-one draw, bizarre on goal, wasn't uh-huh. it? Yeah, yeah. Was it Chad Uri 
with the one goal, and it was that ridiculous that he turned round after it, and all he could do was laugh. Do you remember that? Did did lob the keeper from about forty yards or something, or uh-huh. something bizarre? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, he tried to pass the ball back. I believe they just they got it completely <laughs> and utterly wrong. <laughs> Chad Uri's Celtic career encapsulated <laughs> in a moment. I would have thought. Uh, yeah, I do vaguely remember it. Yeah, I vaguely remember it. I don't remember being at that game. I remember being the mm-hmm. other games in that group, and, and they played Atletico Madrid away from home. I was at that game and Udinese. Yeah, but I don't remember the Ren game. No. I do remember the crazy on goal. <laughs> People talking about it, but I'm just trying to visualise it. It did finish 1-1, one, one. Celtic got a draw there, yeah, yeah. One, yep. Oh. Um, but, whether they're the same team now, had a, I'd expect they'll probably be better than no, what they were then. Most likely. They obviously played each other in pre-season, didn't they? But, but the, neither of the teams were up to speed. Well. No, I was at that game. And again, yeah. listen, you can see the technical yeah. qualities, but they were so far. Pre-season game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bore draw. That it's no gauge, no gauge. But I think it reinforces the importance of Celtic progressing because we're talking now about proper games in Europe. These are good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of disappointment of Champions League is now over, and Celtic fans can enjoy good good trips. Rome, great. Yeah, you know? yep. Yeah, the Olympic Stadium, great. Back to Cluj. The revenge Not mission, so great. as it'll be called. But I mean, I think it's um, you know Neil Lennon will pick his teams accordingly and what he thinks, but. I'd certainly have the three French guys in the spine of the team for that rain game. Yeah. I think they'll all be inspired for that. Yes. You know, Julian will be inspired. And Cham, again, he's, how many times have we been in this room speaking about Olivier and Cham? If Olivier and Cham fancies it, to use that phrase again, uh-huh. I mean, when he came on at Ibrox, he just looked on a different planet for anybody else who had been in the midfield that mm-hmm. whole day. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I know there was tired legs round about him in the, in the opposition, but he just looked phenomenal. His touch, his power, his strength, the way he was getting about the pitch. I mean, he should be looking at a game like that and thinking, I want to go and grab this by the scruff of the neck, show everybody in France I'm a player. Yeah. If he's cl- he's clearly, he seems he seems to be Neil Lennon spoken to him and he seems quite happy again. Mm-hmm. But clearly he sees his ambitions elsewhere in the future, yeah. as most of the guys do you when they come big, to Celtic. What a big night for him, you know? But the big value players can do that. Yes. Yeah. That's why they have got that gulf between the rest because the, the Celtic have... Gone and recruited that bit of value, yeah, and it, they're getting the value from. Yeah, yeah. That's all from us today. Thanks very much to Craig and Gordon for joining me, and we'll be back next midweek with all the latest from Parkhead. Be sure to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available, and you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.